Who's ready for the word today? Man, I am excited. I tell you, I want to talk to you about something today that has been one of the most impactful lessons for me, one of the most just revelational things that God has taught me through the word that's contributed to me walking in what he's called me to do, just becoming the person that he's creating me to be. You know, we all have a destiny. We all have a purpose. God's got a plan for our lives. And in order for us to rise into our calling, for us to go into the destiny God has for us, we have to walk his path. We have to walk out what he's called us to do. And one of the things that is absolutely paramount to us walking closely with God, to his power, his gifts, his presence, everything being close to us in our lives, accompanying everything that he's doing day in and day out, is that we have to maintain a walk that's in a constant state of humility, a humble heart. A person who walks in humility is a person who will continue to grow and ascend into levels of their calling that God has for them. That if, if, they, if they wouldn't do, they wouldn't reach the points. They wouldn't see God do the things in their life that he could do if they wouldn't walk in a place of humility on a constant basis. And the Bible talks about this all throughout Scripture. In fact, it's one of the most repeated things that we see throughout all the Word of God is, is remaining humble and having a humble heart. And look, the, the antithesis of humility, which we're going to address today, is pride and what pride can do to us in our lives and how it can bring destruction to us. And I want to do this today as kind of like, I want to approach this as a real, like a teaching, a real, very thorough teaching of what humility looks like and why it's important and what it produces, but also its opposition, pride, and what that can do against us and against the works of God in our lives if we allow it to creep in and affect how we walk. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 14, and we're going to move through a number of passages today, but Luke chapter 14 and I, if you're, I would really encourage you, this is one of those days where it'd be good to take notes. Uh, if you got an iPhone, which I know a lot of you do because I hear them, uh, if you got an iPhone, there's a, there's a little app that says notes on there. Go ahead and silence your ringer first before you do that, and then open up the notes app. And I would love for you to take these verses down today that we travel through and go back and study them and read them and immerse yourself in them because... Quite frankly, we're going to cover so much that it's one of those things you're probably going to want to revisit and rehash over and over and over again, all right? The things that I'm talking to you about today are things that have transpired and I've learned over more than a decade of studying the Word of God and walking with Him. And so starting out, we're going to go to chapter 14, and we're going to begin in verse, what verse? Sorry, seven, verse seven. So he told a parable to those who were invited. They're at a party. And Jesus is there. Jesus loves parties. Isn't that awesome? Like he's, Jesus does his best work at parties. I love that about the guy. Like, uh, in fact, whenever I became a pastor, I even said, like, that's one of the things we get to do, right, is go to parties. We get to, yeah. So he told a parable to those who were invited, and he said, 
when he noted how they chose the best places at the party, saying to them, When you are invited to, by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. And here's the passage that we see, one of the most repeated passages throughout the New Testament. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I need you today. This message, Lord, is too much for me. It's too much for me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring this one forth in a way like never before. So much to be mined out of the word and out of this truth that we need for our lives desperately. God, bring it forth in an accurate, precise way that begins at work, continues at work, that will carry on for days and months and years ahead of our whole life because we need this, God. And thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's this parable that he's telling, this story where he's saying, you know, when you go to the party and you're invited by the person who is the master of ceremonies, the master of the party, you know, when you go in there, don't go in and go right up and kind of take the best seat, like the most honorable place to where you'd be seen by everybody. You'd feel like VIP, right? Anybody ever go to a like, club or a party and there's always like that VIP line, right? I mean, be honest. You wish, you, you'd like to cut through and go VIP, fast pass, get in. There's that human side of us. It's like, wow, those people are really important, you know? Uh, <laughs> And, and, and so what Jesus is saying, listen, this is huge because everything about what we're going to talk about today, it's so countercultural to what, the way the world thinks. I'm just getting you ready for that. Like the world thinks very opposite of what we're going to talk about today, but very frequently biblical truths oppose worldview, right? And, and we have to accept that, embrace that, and choose to follow biblical principles, not the world's view. But it's not easy because they're in opposition and we have to walk with that opposition and that warring that's happening as we carry it out. And so he's saying, don't just go up and find the best place and sit down and kind of look so honorable because, you know, what if something happens and they have to come and remove you because somebody else showed up that that's their seat and then you're going to look really embarrassed. Hey, that's not your place. You're over here at the table in the corner. And then you got to walk over. He says, better when you get there if you just go right in and take the lowly seat, kind of go into the humble place where you're not trying to be seen, you're not trying to be recognized and really impressive to people. And then when, when God sees you sitting there, or when the, the person at the party sees you sitting there who's throwing it, says, no, 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 come over here and, and have a better seat. And then they move you up and then, and then you're held in more honor and more esteem. Why is that the case? 
Why is it the case that in that seat there's more honor and esteem in, this, in the second part of this parable than in the first part of the parable? I'll tell you exactly why, and this is the huge part of the lesson. It's because it's the one who owns it all who's promoting them that actually brings the honor and the influence and the recognition to that individual. When we try to promote ourselves, when we try to put ourselves in the highly place, it always ends up bringing some kind of fall, shame, or embarrassment to our life. But when it's God that actually promotes us, when he elevates us, when he exalts us to a place of influence in our life, in our calling, then we get honor and favor with those who are around us because it's his hand that's done it and not our own. If our hand is ever the one that promotes ourselves, folks, it's tainted. It's unpure. It's God's hand that we want to be the one doing the promoting and the exalting in our lives at all times. And he ends this passage, this parable, with this power verse. This is a power verse. He says, he who humbles himself will be what? Exalted. But he who exalts himself, what will he be? He will be humbled. He will be humbled. And I learned this a long time ago from God. He's like, look, you either humble yourself or I'll do it for you. Whoa. I'm serious. Like, if we can't humble ourselves, then God will allow conditions in our life to humble us for us because he knows we need to stay in a place of humility if we're ever going to become who he's called us to be. Wow. We have to humble ourselves. And he says, if you do, you will be exalted. And he said that in the parable too. He said, let the one who owns it all come and he can exalt you to the higher place. You see, God does very much have the motive to exalt us and to lift us up as his sons and daughters into a place in the world where we are influential, impactful, and we are bringing credibility to his name and to the kingdom. He very much plans to do that and wants to do that. But what he's saying is, if you get prideful, if you, if you get out of humility, I can't touch that. I can't touch that. I can't work with that. In fact, it says in the Bible in another place, in James, it says that God resists the humble. Or, I'm sorry, God resists the proud. Ah! God keeping me humble here. Uh, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Resistance, he resists the proud. It's actually a military term. It means to form an opposition against. Because you see, pride is an evil thing. It's an evil spirit. And God's saying, look, where pride is, my spirit won't be. If, if you're moving in pride, I can't touch that. You can't touch this doo-doo-doo. No, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on today. Oh, my God. I can't touch pride. I can't work with that. That's not me. That's not a reflection of my son. That doesn't display the character and the nature of the one who died to save you. I need them to see me when they look at you. I don't need them to see something evil that's not of God, but it's of this world, and then it's of the enemy, and that's exactly what pride is. In fact, I'm going to show you a little bit later how pride is actually an evil spirit. It's a demonic thing. This will blow your mind when you see this today. 
But before we go to that, I want you to see a couple of things because Jesus, he sends this message so, free, so often and, and, and many times we find him con- admonishing the Pharisees, the you know, religious elite, right, of the day, admonishing them for their prideful spirit. The things that these guys did blow me away. Like, look at this. In Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, we, we see this little story here, verse 5. And Jesus is, is admonishing the Pharisees. He says, all of their works that they do to be seen by men, they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now, I know you all know what a phylactery is, right? Like, oh, yeah, I was in phylactery school. We studied that for a long time. No, I didn't even know what a phylactery was. So I had to go and study this. But listen, a phylactery in Jewish culture were these little black like, boxes attached to these cords and tassels, and they would put scriptures in these things, and then they would hang them on their arms and their chest, and it was a, kind of a way of them walking out the commandments of buying the word of God on your heart and stuff. And, and so they would, they would keep these little things on their body because as they dangled and they touched them and they hit, they would just, it would be like a, a memory jogger. Remember, stay close to the word of God. Yeah, pretty good idea. But what these Pharisees did is, is, is mind-blowing. They actually took these things the normal things that were a part of Jewish culture, and they made them bigger. They enlarged them. They made them stretched out because they wanted people to see them wherever they went, and they wanted, they felt like it made them appear more spiritual. Isn't that crazy? They were more concerned with the outward perception that they were getting from men than they were with the inward condition of their heart being humble, which is really where the place of authenticity lies. And Jesus even said, he's like, you're like dirty dishes. You clean the outside of the dish so it looks all fancy and nice and neat to everybody, but inside it's dirty and unclean. You ought to clean the inside of the dish first and get that part right, and then the outward appearance will actually be authentic. And he's saying, look, he's addressing their pride here. They're dealing with pride. They care more about what other people around them think of them. They want to maintain status. They want to maintain stature. They want to look a certain way. What are they doing? They are seeking the praises of men. And that is where the root of pride truly lies. Because let me ask this. If if nobody ever would know anything about what you would do, wouldn't pride lose its leverage? Because then nobody can see. But pride is a manipulative spirit. It says, I want people to see how good you are. I want people to be impressed with you. I want you to receive what you need, affection and encouragement and being built up. I want you to receive it from men because pride's so manipulative, it tries to take our eyes off of God and put it on men instead of the place that it ought to be. And that is the danger 
that they run into. It's deceiving them and making them think that this outward appearance, this outward perception is where they're going to find value and worth. And then they begin to chase that and pursue that all the time with what they do. But what does Jesus say? Listen to this in, in verse 12 of this chapter. If you move over here, 23, 12, he says again, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now jump over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. Listen to this. He says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, this is huge, you have no reward for your fa- from your Father in heaven. Listen to this. If I go and do a charitable deed, if I want to help somebody, I want to do something good, and God sees that, there's a reward. I'm not doing it for the reward, but there's a reward because God promises that he rewards those, uh, the works that we do. But he says if you do that to be seen by men, if you take that same good thing and you do it to gain recognition from men, then you've lost your reward from me. Because you've changed your motive and you've lost the purity in your heart that that thing was supposed to be about all along. And I see this a lot. I see where people, they want to they do good, they want to help, but they want people to know about it when they do it. And this is a level of pride. This is a part of pride's manipulation. Humility needs to have its perfect work in us. It needs, it's an ongoing thing. It's not one, it's not like one day we say, I'm gonna get humble, okay, I got humility, now I move on. Humility is an ongoing work constantly every single day of our lives. And it has to be cultivated, it has to be worked in us. But if, if, if people are concerned with, peop, with men seeing what's going on, they're just tr- trying to make sure, hold on, not yet. Okay, now, huh, let's do it now. Oh, yeah, there's people around. Let's let them see. And if, if people do that. I'm exaggerating, but in the heart, I'm, I'm actually hitting something, I think, here. I've been there. I mean, I know, right? And so, it, but listen, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 5, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength because his heart departs from the Lord. Whoa, when we begin to give our heart to men because we seek affection, adoration, and and our value, our worth, or something, self-esteem from them, then it departs from the Lord, which is the one that it actually needs to be found from alone. And when you receive that from him and him alone, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world actually even thinks. We separate ourselves from the need and the desire to have their approval because we're only living to please one. And the beautiful part about that is when we do, that God will give us favor. The Bible says, even of Jesus, it says that he grew in favor with God and men. And we're called to live like Jesus. And he will, it says he will exalt those who humble themselves. He has a plan to exalt, to lift you up, to, to bring your life into a place of credibility and influence and impact where you can be an authentic representation for him. But he said, I can't do that if pride's there. I can't touch it if pride's there. In fact, if pride is there, then you are actually headed for a fall. They work in direct opposite proportions. It's like a scale, folks. They go completely in opposite 
directions. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There's multiple Proverbs that speak of this. I could give you about half a dozen. But listen, the big thing you gotta know is that when you begin to move into a place where you walk in pridefulness, you are not just lingering, you are headed downward. You are getting ready for a fall that will bring destruction in your life. I've watched sports my whole life. There's a lot of sports that I love, and I've seen some of the most talented athletes come through over the years. Professional boxing, golf, football, lots of them. Some athletes in my day that I believe could have actually become the greatest talent of their sport or their position that ever played the game. But I've seen more men actually have their ascension in their careers stopped and cut off and brought to a crushing blow because they began to get prideful and arrogant and boastful in their abilities. And it's like the, the truth of the scripture, pride comes before a fall, and haughty, uh, pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, plays out right before your very eyes. And it's a sad, sad thing. Thank God he, he can build us back up and he can raise us back up and he'll do that. There's hope for that. But my, my cry for us today is let's never get there. Let's never get to that place. You see, pride, it, it, it thinks it's about us. It thinks it's, it wants us to appear to be something that we're really not. But humility just recognizes whose we really are. We're his, the creator of the universe, and he loves us, and he's with us, and he calls us a son and daughter. Our entire worth and identity and value is found in that and that alone. Nothing that the world can offer. And if we'll live that way, then God will he'll say, okay, we can go to the highest places that I want to take you. We can go into your destiny to, to lengths and distances that I have prepared that we can only get to if you can stay humble the rest of the way. And that is ultimately what we have to walk in constantly if we don't want what God is doing in our lives to be negatively affected. Pride is like a calling, a destiny landmine. It's like, we can, and here's the other thing. When God starts to work and do things and he's on display in our lives, it begins to open the door for the temptation of pride to come in. Because now all of a sudden, there are, God's using us. It's, it's awesome. He's doing great things. But we got to remember, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. That's God. He's doing this. And the temptation as we grow in our calling and the things that God has for us, we'll never cease to be there. But if we'll cultivate humility all the time, think of it like this. If pride is an evil spirit and it wants to get in the door of our lives, if we're cultivating humility in our lives every single day, we're keeping the door shut and there is no crack in the wall for pride to try to make its way in. But if we're not proactively cultivating humility... If we're not, folks, you almost have to oversteer the car in this direction. In fact, not almost, you do, because your flesh will never get there on its own. And so when, if we're cultivating that humility every single day, 
Then pride wants to get in. It wants to find a way. But it's like going around a building that's all sealed up and shut up tight and caulked well and locked well. And it just can't find its way in. And that's what we need to make sure pride has to be kept at that distance in our lives. And it's not by just saying, I'm not gonna get prideful, I'm not. It's by cultivating humility. The work of cultivating humility proactively on the offense is what keeps the defensive posture of keeping pride out of your life at bay and away from having its way of getting in. And listen, I told you earlier that pride was an evil spirit, right? Look at this. The first thing I want you to do is go to James chapter three, verse 13. Now, I'm going to put this up here because I have the amplified version. I want you to see it in this version. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant. And as a result, be in defiance of the truth. And another version says, don't be proud and don't boast. Next verse. For superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly or secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. In another version, it says devilish. Devilish. He's saying, don't, don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. Don't be boastful. If you do, it's not from above. It's not me. And it is earthly, natural, even demonic, devilish, devilish, which means to have the nature and the character of the devil. Now let me ask you a question. Who, was the, who had the greatest fall of pride that's ever been known? Lucifer. Listen, Isaiah 14, let's go. Let's go. Isaiah 14. Verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt, you get this, my throne above the stars of God. He's exalting himself. Do you see this? I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. You see, Lucifer, Satan, at one time was an angel. And he attempted to exalt himself. And what happened when he exalted himself, he fell. He fell all the way down to hell. God threw him out. If that isn't the greatest example of those who exalt themselves will be brought down, I don't know what is. Now think about this for a second. If that isn't a demonic spirit, if pride and exalting self isn't from the devil, folks, I don't know what is. Think about this. There is another who will come. The Bible speaks of this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He is an antichrist. It speaks about it in Revelation as well. And the antichrist will sit when he is reigning in the world. He will sit on the throne of God, it says, and he will exalt himself above all of the things of God on the earth. Once again, 
the devil is going to try and exalt himself. And what will happen? Jesus will return and he will be thrown into the lake of fire, into the pit for all of eternity. Once again, he will try to exalt himself and he will be brought down. Folks, we can't mess around with this thing. Pride is a demonic spirit. It's a devilish thing. And it will try to manipulate us and have its way in our lives because the devil knows there's not a lot of other things that can derail the works of God in someone's life faster and more abruptly and more destructively than if pride gets in and has its way in their life. But listen to what he says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Oh, I love this. He says, verse 1, we started there. You don't see, your deeds don't be seen before men, for you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as a hypocrite do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. They're going to get their reward. It's going to be an earthly reward. It's going to be one of men. And you're going to lose the reward from heaven when you do. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, that your Father who sees in secret himself will reward you openly. There's the favor. There's the influence. It's coming. But if we try to bring it ourselves, we'll lose it. Isn't that crazy? But if God brings it because we do it, what, in secret, what does that mean? In the secret place where he dwells. It means it's between us and him. It's only for him. It's not for anyone else. It's for him. And if we'll do it in secret, then him who dwells in the secret place will reward you openly. Because he has a plan to exalt your life. Is that mind-blowing or what? He wants to use us to be incredible influencers for kingdom works to, to have favor with men and, and to be able to be a representative for him. And he'll take us to places that we could never take ourselves to. You could never promote yourself to the place that God is, is wanting to promote you to. And the moment that you try and step out of the secret place and let your deeds be seen before men because that becomes your MO. It's like, boom, all of a sudden everything starts to unravel. Pride is lurking and it's knocking at the door. And God says, I can't touch it. You got to hear this. He's telling you, I can't touch it. I'm just. I'm consistent. I don't change. I can't work with pride. I can work it out of you if you'll, you'll humble yourself. In fact, the Bible speaks many times of the, the purging that God wants to do in our lives. It says he sits like a refiner of silver wanting to refine and purge the dross out of silver because once the dross and the impurities are purged out, then it can go to the silversmith for jewelry. God says, I'll work that crap out of you. I'll work that junk out of you. But you're going to have to humble yourself before I can do it. You're going to have to recognize who I am and what you're not. And you're going to have to allow me to put my hand to the thing and do the work that only I can do. Folks, I just want to encourage you. It's the greatest thing in all the world. The greatest thing in all the world to see God for who he is and to know what we aren't and, but who we are with him. 
And when we recognize how amazing and how wonderful he is and how just in shambles our lives become without him, it keeps us in a place of desperation where we are staying humble, but we are staying strong. And I think that in the world's view, humility and strength are like mutually exclusive terms. Well, you can't be humble and be strong, but that's not true. In fact, the Bible says that God says, he says, it's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. And then Paul turns right around after that and he says, for when I am weak, actually, then I am strong. He was put, when I am humble, then I am exalted. Isn't that amazing? You see, we're warriors. God's equipped us with armor and weaponry and to be ambassadors for him. We, we are strong and mighty in the Lord. And there is a strength that accompanies us as we stay in humility. And it even says in the book of Hebrews, it says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain grace and mercy in your time of need. God says, be bold with the way you come to me. Be bold with the way you approach my throne. Be bold with the way you pray and ask for me to move in your life. And I will bring you strength. But in your heart, stay humble. Know where you came from and know whose you are. Isn't that awesome? See, humility is one of those things that if we're not always about the business of pursuing and cultivate and allowing God to do his work, then pride will pounce and move at any chance it gets. Let me steal that reward from heaven. Let me take that from them. Let me seize and take away what God wants to do. He's all about ruining and destroying the works that God wants to do in our lives. God wants to reward us and bless us openly. And then when we turn and do that to be seen by men, we lose that reward. Isn't that powerful? The Bible says that. That's right there. I showed you that today. And so we have to know that this is all about him. He says, do this in secret. The last thing he says is he talks about fasting and, and praying and he says, look, when you pray, go to your prayer room and shut your door. Pray to your father who's in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But he said this because the Pharisees, they would go and they would, they would, they would pray in such a way where they would pray really loud and then the open squares. They didn't care about what they were doing to pray to God. They cared about people around them thinking that they were spiritual elitists, that they were something that they really weren't. And in the search to become all of this impressive grandeur to men, we actually get brought down into a place where we lose all of that and what God would actually be able to do if we would just stay humble. Isn't that amazing? I just, I want so much for every person to be able to see God for who he is, to know him so closely and so intimately because when you do, it's very, very hard to want to take the credit for anything because he's so good and he's so amazing and, and we're reminded every day of how wonderful he is that it is, it is almost like repulsive to our spirit to try to take credit for ourselves that God is actually due. And when we live that way, it's like, it's yours, God, it's yours. It's yours. And he just can take us 
and move us into the places of our lives and our destiny and calling that he wants to take us to, to change the world, folks, to impact the world for the kingdom of heaven, for eternity. Isn't that amazing? Stand to your feet. I want to close with this. Oh, I have so much more. Psalms 139. He says, Examine me, O God. Test my heart, my thoughts, and reveal any iniquity that is in me. He's saying, I don't trust myself (laughs) to inspect myself. I want to expose myself before a holy, perfect God. He's actually the only one who's capable of soul inspection. And I want to allow him to examine my heart. And I want him to show me where any junk lies. And then I'm going to trust him to purge and work it out. And he'll do that. In fact, I want to ask you today to seek him right now and pray and ask him to do just that. Ask him to examine your heart right now. It's a great place to get to. You may not like what you hear. Your flesh won't. Let me say it that way. But your soul will rejoice, I promise you, when the Lord does the work he wants to do.